Coming up on Locked on Dodgers, it was Kershaw Day at Camelback Ranch. We'll talk about how that game went for Clayton Kershaw and his thoughts on it. Talk about Chris Taylor, who had another rough day and is having a really rough spring. Talk about whether or not we're worried about that. And then we will look back on Mookie Betts as a high school athlete and read some fun stuff that was written about him as a teenager. That's what's on tap. So let's get Locked on Dodgers. You are Locked on Dodgers. Your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, Dodger fans, this is Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Remember, this show is free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. Or even better, go ahead and subscribe wherever you're watching or listening right now, and then you will never miss a day because you know when we're not going to. If this is your first time with us, I am Jeff Snyder. My normal co-host is Vince Samperio, although it's just me today. Vince and I are both lifelong Dodger fans just like you are. We've also both spent time covering the Dodgers in the press box and the locker room. So we're not quite insiders, but we bring you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue every weekday morning. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. And getting started, Clayton Kershaw pitched for the Dodgers on Thursday. Uh, as we talked about yesterday, it was actually his day to pitch on Wednesday. And uh, that game got rained out. So they pushed him back to Thursday. Noah Syndergaard had been scheduled to start on Thursday. And he actually ended up throwing, I think, five innings in a backfield game. And uh, good reports on that. And Kershaw's game, it was solid. He gave up two solo home runs. That was it. Uh, one to Nathaniel Lowe and one to old friend Corey Seager. And uh, he went four and a third innings through 75 pitches. Wasn't quite as efficient as he would have liked to have been. Uh, he actually addressed that uh, in the in, in the locker room after the game or after his part of the game anyway. Uh, and basically he said that there were some pitches that he thought were decent pitches that normally he gets swings and misses on, specifically the slider, and this time they're fouling him off. I know in the first inning, uh, the, the right fielder, whose name I can't remember right now for the Rangers, um, fouled off a bunch of pitches. And, uh, you know, drove out that pitch count. I think Kershaw ended up throwing like 25 pitches in the first inning. And so uh, Dave Vasse asked Kershaw if he was happy with the slider. And Kershaw said that there were a few good ones, but there are few and far between. And uh, so basically he said that's something that he still needs to work on, needs to get figured out. Uh, but overall, Kershaw seemed pleased with the outing. He he joked about giving up the home run to Seager. Um, joked about the fact that everybody knew that Seager was going to swing at the first pitch because Seager always swings at the first pitch. And Kershaw loves to throw first pitch strikes. And uh, so Kershaw said he threw it as hard as he could and hoped he'd get him to pop out. But instead, Seager hit home run to center field, uh, kind of destroyed the ball. And and Seager, joking, coming off the, the field, told him, you, you knew I was going to swing. And Kershaw said, yep, I did. Uh, but Kershaw said he's glad it didn't matter. Uh, and the thing that was most notable to me and th this could just be the eternal optimist in me, but Kershaw was in good spirits. Uh, he was laughing. He was picking on Dave Vasse and, and, you know, seemed happy. Uh, and Kershaw is such a competitor that if he was worried about where things are, 
I don't think he would have been in that good a mood. Uh, but he was cracking jokes and, uh, and, and yeah, so obviously there's still a couple more starts and Kershaw has things to work on, but I think he recognizes that's the point of spring training is to work on those things. And it seems like he feels confident that he will be just fine, that he'll get those things taken care of. Uh, we didn't get any clarification on the opening day starter. Rick Monday and Tim Neverett actually talked about that during the game on, on TV, talked about. Uh, who might be the Dodgers opening day starter. They didn't get into the the math like I talked about yesterday as far as five days rest and everything. Uh, but they they mentioned that Dave Roberts had said it would uh, it was going to be a left-hander. And so, I mean, that means Kershaw or Julio because everybody else is right-handed, and uh, which is weird for the Dodgers to, to have that many righties in their rotation. It seems like they've had a lot of lefties the last several years. Um, but uh, yeah, it's going to be Kershaw or Julio, it sounds like. And it's really going to come down to, it's probably going to come down to how the days line up. And if I had to guess right now, because of this, this rain out, I would guess Julio uh, just because it's easier with him pitching on Saturday, 12 days before opening day, it's easier for him to just do one more start in spring. Julio's already built up pretty well because of the, the WBC. And so uh, probably Julio on opening day and Kershaw on the second game. Uh, but, you know, no clarification from the Dodgers on that. But what we do know is that Kershaw, he was throwing, uh, velocity was fine. It was where you, where we expect him to be these days. I think he topped out at 93, uh, but was mostly 91, 92, which is basically what Kershaw is these days as a pitcher. His slider velocity was uh, about, I, I think I saw the range was 85 to 89, and maybe those 89s are a little too hard. Uh, he's played around with a, a slider that's even as low as you know, 82-ish uh, that gets a little bit more depth. And uh, But, yeah, I mean, velocity-wise, it seemed fine. When he was facing that uh, right fielder, I, I just need to know this guy's name, sorry, this right fielder for the Rangers, whose name was Adolis Garcia. Sorry. Uh, I don't know why I couldn't remember that name. But when he was facing him in the first inning and he just kept fouling balls off, I was like, man, I bet Kershaw really wishes he had that change up right now. I was watching an old episode of uh, Backstage Dodgers today on Sportsnet LA, and uh, it was Kershaw made a trip to the Dominican Republic. I think it was after the 2014 season. He and A.J. Ellis went down there, and he was talking to uh, some some players at the Dodgers camp there in the Dominican and uh, they were asking about a changeup, and and he said in pretty decent Spanish that his changeup is terrible. And uh, yeah, he's still never. I mean, it's the lifelong thing. I remember during the the quarantine in 2020 when they would do those Zoom calls with the you know to try to keep fans interested, get a bunch of Dodgers on. And Kershaw was just sitting there on those, and you could see him holding the baseball, and he was holding in a changeup grip the whole time. And it's like every pitcher who can't throw a changeup anytime they pick up a ball. They're holding in a changeup grip, and probably every pitcher who can throw a changeup too. Maybe that's just every pitcher just holds the ball in a changeup grip all the time. Uh, but that's Kershaw's his white whale, and at this point in his career, I don't know if he's ever going to find it. But uh, I know he was wishing he he had one because uh, that would have been nice to because he was on the fastball and the slider, having one more pitch to to get a lefty out would have been nice. Um, but the slider is usually that pitch. Kershaw's slider is usually nearly unhittable for a right-handed hitter. And uh, hopefully he will get back to that point. Uh, this year, he, he should have two more starts in spring. And then, then it's the regular season. And 
it's fun to watch Kershaw pitch. You guys know how I feel about Clayton Kershaw. He's my favorite player and any opportunity to watch Kershaw pitch, even if it's just a meaningless spring training game, even if he's given up home runs to Corey Seager, it's still watching Kershaw pitch. And it's something that I don't take for granted. It's something I've gotten to do for his entire career. And it's, you know, his career has covered a lot of my adult life, not quite all of it. I was 30, almost 31 when Kershaw debuted. Uh, but is that right? Yeah. I was almost 31. I might've been 31. I don't remember what date Kershaw debuted in 2008, uh, but uh, it was somewhere around my 31st birthday. Now, another thing I need to look up, this is a uh, Jeff does live research episode of Locked on Dodgers. Thanks for joining us. Uh, his debut was May 25th, 2008. So eight days before I turned 31 years old. Um, but so since then I've had another kid. I've watched my, you know, my daughter, my oldest child was only three when Kershaw debuted and now she is, uh, she just registered for college the other day. Uh, that's kind of crazy. So it's been most of my adult life, or at least the important parts of my adult life. I've been watching Clayton Kershaw and it's something I don't take for granted. And I know that, uh, nothing is guaranteed at this stage of his career. And so I appreciated getting to see him and I'm excited to watch him two more times this spring. And then either the first or second day of the season, when the season starts, I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk about Chris Taylor, who is a little bit less fun to watch these days. Uh, so thank you for making Locked on Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. And please keep it Locked on Dodgers. This episode is brought to you by Ultimate Pro Baseball GM. I am super excited about our new partner and the sponsor of today's episode, the mobile game Ultimate Baseball GM. Have you ever dreamed of being an MLB GM and managing your professional baseball franchise? Well, your dream can come true, and this game is definitely for you. Manage every strategic aspect of your team. Play through the season and lead your team to glory. You're responsible for hiring the right coaches and staff, managing team finances, scouting and drafting players, managing difficult personalities, navigating their franchise through free agency, and all the ups and downs of a season. All this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Baseball GM is completely free and playable offline. Play as you go, play on the go as you want and when you want to. We've put together a league for the locked on hosts of the MLB teams. And uh, there's a lot of pressure being a Dodger fan, being a fan of the team with the best front office in baseball, you know, going up against uh, Farhan Zaidi's Giants, you know, in the form of Ben Kaspik of locked on Giants, you know, a lot of pressure, but it's a lot of fun too. So you can do that same thing with your friends, you get, get on the app. You don't even need Wi-Fi to play. Uh, there's in-app play. So you can uh, you're going on a long car ride. Don't need to worry about the Wi-Fi. You're driving through the middle of nowhere. Maybe I'm just projecting my own life onto you with all my drives between Utah and California, but you can play anywhere, anytime you want. Locked on Dodgers listeners get a free 100% boost to their franchise when using the promo locked on in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit probaseballgm.com, scan the code, or look it up in on the app stores. That's probaseballgm.com, ultimate baseball GM. Start your dynasty today. All right, I am back. I want to thank you all for making Locked on Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I'd love to hear your thoughts in the comments section. Always enjoy the comments. Gotten some good comments lately. Um, and uh, yeah, if you're listening on the podcast, I'd love to hear from you through social media or email or whatever. Like always, I will give you the contact info at the end of the episode. <sighs> Let's talk a little bit about Chris Taylor. Um, one of the times I'm glad I'm not a professional baseball GM is when we're talking about struggling players like Chris Taylor, because I have no idea what to do 
about Chris Taylor. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I mentioned, I talked about Taylor a little bit the other day. It's spring training. Uh, you, spring training is the time for guys to figure things out. And so I'm not necessarily worried about the fact that Chris Taylor is batting 103 with a 360 OPS in spring training. It's not the actual performance that concerns me. It's the thought that that performance might continue into the regular season and well into the regular season. You know, uh, he, he has 12 strikeouts and 35 plate appearances, which is a slightly higher strikeout rate than last year in 2022 when he was terrible. And Dave Roberts referred to his strikeout rate as alarming. Uh, he, you know, Taylor's always a guy who, when things are bad, you wonder, you watch him swing and you're like, how has this guy ever made contact with the baseball ever in his life? And when he's hot, you wonder, how has he ever missed the ball? He is so streaky. And, and, and so this could just be one of those streaks. But, you know, you come into spring hoping that with him getting totally healthy, he had so many injury issues last year. He had the, the elbow surgery in the offseason that probably slowed him down. He had the fractured foot. And then he had the neck issue at the end. He was just never healthy all season long. And this offseason, as far as we know, he was totally healthy. He was working hard. He, he went to driveline all those things you were hoping he'd come in and, and, you know, I'm not saying I expected Chris Taylor to be the MVP this year, but I was hoping in spring training, he'd come in and, and it would be like, Oh, that's the CT three that, that I remember uh, and, and just put 2022 behind him. And he hasn't done that yet. And, and that doesn't mean he won't, he, he's still, you know, like I said, he's very streaky. And so he could starting today, he could just get on fire and, and, you know, a month from now, we'd be look look back and think, oh, remember we were worried about Chris Taylor in spring training? I remember in 2019, Max Muncy was terrible in spring training. And then he had a really good season. Uh, you know, guys are terrible. Uh, on, the, on the flip side, Logan Forsyth must have been whatever year Logan Forsyth's on the team, 2018, maybe. Um, and he was awesome in spring training. And then he just wasn't in the regular season. And, and so results don't matter that much. And, and we, we harp on that all the time on this podcast, that spring training results don't matter, but it's not so much the results as the fact that Taylor looks lost and a lost looking Taylor is not a comforting sight to fans who've seen a lost looking Taylor, you know, most of last year and, and a lot. And, and he's still, I mean, he struggled in 2021. Also, he made the all-star team and then he was lousy the second half of the season but then he had one of the biggest hits of the season for the Dodgers hitting the walk-off homer in the wildcard game in 2021. And so he he's a guy, he has the, the skill, the athleticism to contribute. He obviously is still contributes on defense, even when he's not hitting, which is why one of the reasons he stays in the lineup. Uh, but like right now, it would be hard to justify giving Chris Taylor at bats over James Outman. And, and because of Gavin Lux's injury, I think, Taylor will still get plenty of at-bats uh, at, at multiple positions. But, like, I don't I don't know. Like, we've talked about James Outman a lot on this show and how basically he he's a major league outfielder. He's earned the spot on the team, and he should be starting in the Dodgers outfield. And I've seen a lot of comments on our YouTube episodes that a lot of you agree with that. And, uh, you know, doesn't Altman's going to struggle too, and Altman's going to strike out a lot too. He, he that's part of his game, uh, but striking out and hitting the ball hard when you do hit it 
is different than what Taylor's doing right now. He doesn't have any extra base hits this, this spring. He's not hitting the ball hard. He's not hitting the ball much. It's a, it's a lousy combo. And so, you know, I, there's always that balance when you're, uh, when, when you're a team like the Dodgers, when you know you're planning on playing well into October, you have a little bit more leeway to give guys a little bit of a, a breathing room when they're struggling in the regular season. We've seen it repeatedly with Dave Roberts with, you know, and I talked about this the other day too, with uh, Jock Peterson, a couple different seasons, Chris Taylor in 2018, um, Max Muncy last year, uh, Justin Turner early last year. You know, a lot of these guys, they just struggled and then, then they figured it out. And sometimes, you know, Cody Bellinger never did figure it out last year. Chris Taylor never did figure it out. It's not foolproof. But the best chance for the Dodgers to be successful in the postseason is to have everybody playing well in October. And the way to get guys playing well in October is to let them work through their struggles during the regular season. Now, this year, the, the division is supposed to be a lot closer. And they may not have quite as much wiggle room as they did last year and as they have in some years. And so maybe they can't afford to give Taylor as much playing time like I said, he still does provide value on defense, and so you can get away with playing him even when, uh, when it's when he's not contributing anything offensively. Hold on one second. But uh, when you have, you'd really like the the Chris Taylor the Dodgers signed to a long contract. Uh, they weren't expecting a defense only utility player. They're expecting some offense, and hopefully he can figure that out. He hasn't shown any signs yet this spring, uh, but like I said, he's Chris Taylor. He could turn it around tomorrow, and everything would be just fine. So what I'm going to continue to hope for, uh, because I, I love Chris Taylor. I'm a huge Chris Taylor fan. Um, I, I This isn't the dunk on him. It's just, I mean, he's been bad this spring, and like really bad and frustratingly bad, and uh, it, it needed to be talked about. And I'm not advocating for benching him for sure in spring, like get him, start him every game. In fact, let him get four at bats instead of three every game uh, because he needs to get this figured out. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously they know better than I do how to help him figure it out. And maybe playing all the whole game in spring training isn't the answer. Um, and maybe it's more backfield work or whatever, but uh, Taylor needs to figure things out. And I hope he does. Um and I don't have any idea whether to expect it or not because it's been a while now. We're coming up on two years now, basically since midseason of 2021, that Taylor's been pretty bad. And so hopefully he gets it figured out. Uh, one guy who is pretty good is Mookie Betts. I'm going to come back and talk about him. Uh, he had a new video out on his YouTube channel about his charity bowling event. And that got me thinking about young Mookie, the young bowler, when he was in high school. So I pulled up some newspaper archives and, and found some fun stuff. So we're going to read a little bit about young Mookie Betts when we come back. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. And please continue to keep it Locked On Dodgers. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to the point scores and threes drained. 
Plus, FanDuel lets you e- even let you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. So don't miss a chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, I am back. I want to thank you again for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Also want to wish you happy St. Patrick's Day. Uh, while I was reading that FanDuel ad, uh, the clock struck midnight here where I am in Utah on Thursday night, and it popped up on my computer. Happy St. Patrick's Day. So now I'm wishing you happy St. Patrick's Day. Uh, I'm not wearing green, but that's okay. I don't even have any – trying to think if I have any St. Patrick's Day. Uh, themed bobbleheads behind me. There's the Mexican flag one right there. That's got some green in it. And uh, beyond that, yeah, maybe not. Oh, uh, looks like that one down there, there's like a green Dodger Stadium sign. So yeah, there's a little bit of green behind me. So happy St. Patrick's Day or whatever. Uh, If you're celebrating, do so safely, please. Uh, Think ahead. Uh, Designated driver, Uber, something. You know, enjoy the holiday and do it smartly. Uh, Mookie Betts is, he's awesome. I love Mookie Betts. I've loved Mookie Betts for a long time. Uh, even before he was a Dodger, he was, he and Freddie Freeman are two guys who I still have to pinch myself that they are Dodgers because they were two of my favorites, even when they were playing for teams I didn't like. Um, like the Red Sox, I didn't have anything too much against Red Sox until they beat the Dodgers in the world series. But even then I couldn't dislike Mookie Betts and, uh, Freddie Freeman, like, uh, here's my little confession. I probably confessed this before on this show. If you ask me who my least favorite team is, my gut reaction is still the Braves. I know the Giants are the Dodgers' big rival, and I get that, and I and I don't like the Giants. And, and right now, obviously, if, if I'm being honest, I do like the Braves more than I like the Giants. But I, I was 14 years old in 1991 when the Braves suddenly got good, and I just like – it, that time of your life as a teenager is very formative. And so I they, they were in the same division as the Dodgers. They got good suddenly. They were on TV all the time on TBS. And I, like I watched games in the 80s when there were 6,000 people in the stands in Atlanta. And then in 91, they get good. And suddenly everybody's a Braves fan. They're all doing that stupid tomahawk chop. Everything about those 90s Braves, like, like I think of Dave Justice and Mark Lemke and and – Chipper Jones, obviously, uh, you know, like I just want to punch those guys. Uh, so yeah, my my first instinct when you ask who my least favorite team is, is the Braves and uh, Freddie Freeman. Even though he was on the Braves, I've always loved Freddie Freeman, and so I I, I love that Mookie and Freddie are Dodgers. And uh, Mookie, his YouTube channel, he put out his second video. This one was basically just the behind the scenes and not even totally behind the scenes, just highlights of his charity bowling tournament. Uh, Honestly, it wasn't, I didn't like this video as much as his first one, just because it wasn't as much about baseball. It was just about bowling, but it was still fun to see Mookie in his element and uh, Mookie as a bowling element. And and I knew that uh, Mookie had been an excellent bowler in high school. Uh, I actually have a picture uh, that I had found of Mookie kind of posing in a bowling alley for uh, when he won bowler of the year or something. Uh, I, I sent it to my daughter. My daughter loves Mookie. He's her favorite player. And uh, Mookie, if you're watching, my daughter Lindsay loves you. Um, Brianna, if you're watching, she doesn't love him like that. Um, but and, and so I, I was doing some some newspaper searching just because I wanted to see uh, if there were articles written about Mookie back then. And I found one 
Uh, the the headline is Overton Star Spreads Skills. Overton was was Mookie's high school. Uh, and then there's a picture, really cool picture. Um, I I don't know how to share this with you guys, but uh, it, it's uh, I'll try to tweet out the picture at, uh, sometime on Friday so you can see it. Um, but it's Mookie palming a basketball with his left hand, holding a bowling ball in his right hand and a baseball in the air. And I can't tell if it's actually there or if it was Photoshopped in, it's tough to tell. Um, but, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's a cool picture. And it says Overton's Mookie Betts juggles his athletic time during the winter as one of the top players on both the school's bowling and basketball teams. He was also an all, all mid state baseball selection last spring. And then it's an article uh, by a guy named Chip Cirillo talking about Mookie Betts, the great athlete. This is his junior year in high school. And, uh, couple of interesting little tips, although to give you an idea, uh, the time period we're talking about, um, there's an article in this same edition about Titans quarterback Vince Young making the Pro Bowl. I remember Vince Young and when he was actually kind of good in the NFL for a little bit. Uh, there's also an article about a possible Peyton Manning-Brett Favre matchup in the Super Bowl. It ended up being Manning against uh, Drew Brees because Brees' Saints beat uh, Favre's Vikings in the uh, whatever FC championship game. I, I don't know. NFC championship game. Anyway, uh, I know a lot about baseball uh, divisions and leagues. Don't know anything about the NFL. Uh, but that article was written by a 65 year old guy named Joe Biddle, who actually passed away last year at the age of 78. Uh, and included this paragraph that will tell you what time period we were thinking talking about. He says, think about it. Favre against Manning. I wouldn't get that excited if Penelope Cruz asked me to be her Facebook friend. So that's the time period we're talking about. Um, but this article about Mookie uh, talks about how he had taken five weeks off from, from bowling because of other uh, sports commitments. And then he uh, his bowling coach says uh, he came in after five weeks off and bowled a 246 and a 237 in the first round of the district tournament. It's just natural. Um I'll just read a little bit more of the article. Betts, who is five foot nine, leads the Bobcats basketball team. 17 and two in scoring with a 14.4 average as a point guard. And then a quote uh, from the, the basketball coach, I coach soccer over here too. And he could probably roll out there and watch it for two days and be one of the better players in soccer. He's just that smart and that gifted. His main focus really is in this season is basketball because he's such a team player. Most of the time he's at practice. We all try to work out, work together out here. So I would never discourage a kid do as much as you can. Bet said his basketball teammates do kid him about missing practice because of bowling. They always talk about me and bowling, Bet said. Does that sound familiar? Oh, talking about Buki and his bowling? I'm looking at you, Gallegos. Uh, Bet says they don't really get mad, but they say, oh, you had to miss practice for bowling. If I say I have to go to miss practice, they already know it's for bowling. Coach McKee jokes, don't hurt my arm. Uh, Betts plays second base, center field, and pitcher for the Bobcats in baseball. The reigning District 11 AAA MVP batted 463 with 33 RB, RBIs, 32 steals, 14 doubles, and four strikeouts and 134 at-bats. Hussing. Four strikeouts and 134 at-bats. That's crazy. Betts was the only sophomore named to the Tennesseans all-mid-state first team. Betts' mom nicknamed him after Mookie, Wil Mookie Wilson, who played outfield for the New York Mets and Toronto from 1980 to 1991. My mom said she was sitting at home holding me when I was a baby and she saw Mookie play baseball, Bet said. Whenever they call Mookie, I don't have to worry about somebody else turning. It's just me. 
Bet's favorite sport is basketball, but he may have more college potential in baseball because of his size. Louisville, Kentucky, Southern Miss, Memphis, and Western Kentucky have shown interest in him in baseball. Central Florida has expressed interest in basketball. Mike Morrison, Overton's baseball coach and a football assistant, said Betts could have started in football too. Betts was a standout quarterback in junior pro and middle school, but his mother was afraid he'd get hurt, so he stopped playing after his eighth grade season. And then a quote from this baseball coach. When Mookie was a freshman, we were sitting on the sideline on a Friday night, and one of the officials at the ball game came over and said, the best high school quarterback in the city doesn't even play football. He has the ability to do a lot of different things. He's one of those unique kids that come around every now and then. And uh, yeah, I, I thought that was a lot of fun to to look and see. Mookie was destined for greatness, and you know, he was just he was just a teenage kid. Like he he was. You look at this picture, you're like, oh, that looks like a 16, 17 year old kid. And uh, and it, it's a reminder that you know, obviously Mookie is a freakish athlete. Um, but he wasn't always a superstar. He wasn't always rich and famous. He was just a guy who was really good at sports in high school and got written about in the paper a little bit. And uh, But people could see the greatness that was coming. Uh, it's a lot of fun. If you don't have an account with newspapers.com, you should probably get one. It's really cool. Uh, maybe it's just me. It, it, it's nerdy, but I, I love reading through old newspaper accounts and stuff like this. And, and I'm glad I thought to look up Mookie as a high schooler because uh, I thought that was a fun little insight into – Mookie's potential back then that obviously has turned into superstardom in baseball. And he's still very good at bowling and still a good basketball player and probably could still be a good football and soccer player if he wanted to. Uh, That's going to do it for me for today though. And for this week, actually, this is our last episode of the week because it is Friday morning. So thank you again for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Now for your second listen, check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're not watching or listening to Locked On Dodgers every weekday morning, we'd love if you had one or two days a month to your rotation. If you have friends and family who love the Dodgers as much as you do, please tell them about the show. Maybe they'll like it too. Uh, I mentioned this yesterday. My, my first book is out on Amazon. It's called Writing is Power. You can search it up on Amazon. It's available on Kindle and paperback. paperback. And uh, I'd love if you if you buy it, love to hear your thoughts. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Locked On Dodgers. Vince is on Twitter at Vince Samperio. I'm on Twitter at Snydog, and the DMs are open in all of those places. Our email address is LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. And our phone number for voicemails or text messages is 323-863-LOCK-5625. We are here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be here with us. When you get in your car or sit on your couch, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. We'll talk to you on Monday.